Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Canadian Story. I'm very pleased to have someone that I share a name with, David, on the podcast. He's from Quebec. Uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself, but before I do, I just wanted to thank another Quebecer for coming on the podcast. We want to make sure that we get the full picture of Canada, and and so we need some Maritimers. We don't have any of those yet. But, so if you're uh, a Maritimer, hit us up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. David, welcome to the show. Yes, thank uh, you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much. Um, a little bit about myself. So, uh, father of five. Uh, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I have my own business. I work uh, for for the First Nations in, of Northern Quebec primarily. Uh, I'm a municipal councillor, uh, avid uh, lover of uh, of everything politics and uh, of everything Canada. So, uh, I'm happy to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's just great to have you. So. As we ask everyone, what do you love about this country? I I love Canada for 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 many many reasons. I think it's a it's a beautiful country in in many ways, uh, from from sea to sea, and uh, the people, the the culture. Um, really, it's a it's a, it's a beautiful country in every way. Uh, I couldn't agree more. You actually served uh, the our country uh, in uniform. Do you want to share a little bit about what that experience was like and what you learned from it? Uh, yeah, my, my brother actually was an inspiration for that. He, uh, he served in the Canadian Armed Forces. And uh, so when, when an opportunity came for me to serve uh, as a go- Governor General's foot guard in Ottawa, um, I, I, I was very happy to serve, serve my country uh, in the infantry. Um, there was a ceremonial element to it, which was also wonderful and working for the Governor General. Uh, but, but serving my country was, uh, was really, uh, it was in my formative years. Um, and it was an important element in, uh, in who I am today. So uh, I, I think it's a, it was a great opportunity. Yeah. How would, how would you say that it, that it shaped your view of the country being in a role like that? There, there was a major element of pride, uh, of, of patriotism that, that, that was cemented. I was always, you know, I always loved Canada, uh, but, but serving Canada really uh, cemented that, uh, that, that patriotic element. Um, and, you know, we were local, uh, you know, you didn't have the opportunity to go overseas, but uh, I, I certainly learned the, the importance of, uh, of serving my country in, in, uh, in the military. And uh, I think that led the way for me to, to find uh, other ways of serving my country. And, and that's, you know, I'm doing it now. What was your, uh, in that position, what was your day-to-day like as uh, a member of the infantry in your position? Uh it, it tough. It, it was. Uh, I I loved all of it, but they um, the military. It's it's a uh, it's it's tough in in physically, emotionally, uh, mentally. It was it was really a significant. Um, when I say formative, they they taught you how to have that internal fortitude. Um, they taught you that you know hard work led to uh, led to better things. So um, you. It, it just, it, it opened up my eyes. Uh, you know, we always, you know, I come from a family that, you know, our parents always taught us about hard work and, um, and, and, and always, you know, leaving things better than what you left it. Uh, but being in the military, the day to day was um, a lot of infantry training on a, on a, you know, for, for weeks and months on end. 
Um, and then there was the the uh, ceremonial element, which was actually quite. Um, it was, it, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a, it was a, you know, we had the, um, you know, the, the, the men in the red suits with the, with the big uh, uh, bearskin hat uh, at the governor general's uh, uh, place of residence. Um, so I did that. And we, we, we had the changing of the guard on, on Parliament Hill. Um, and so that was a, a weekly, uh, a daily rather uh, event uh, during the summer. And, um, and just seeing all the tourists, um, and seeing the Canadians that would come see uh, the changing of the guard, it it was ceremonial, but it was important, and uh, and I, I appreciated that. You touched on something that I would love to uh, go into a little bit further. You said hard work leads to something better, and that's something the military taught you. I think as a society, one of the things that we are challenged with right now is we are. Um, experiencing the fruits of the participation trophy experiment and um, hard work leads to something better is the exact opposite of that kind of mentality what did the military teach you about hard work and maybe give us an example of how that has played out into something positive in your life yeah the the the, the participation trophies is something that <laughs> that bothers me immensely. Um, yes, yes. Uh, me too. <laughs> it's um, the 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 hard work. It really um, it was it was it was making yourself better. That's what it led to. It, 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 I, I knew that if I if I pushed myself hard enough, uh, you know, there were there were nights where we had to dig trenches, and um, and then following that, there were there were military exercises that we'd have to run through, and and you had to dig deep to find that strength to, to make it through and you know i i have a, a tremendous amount of respect for for our military that goes overseas and serves our country in in dangerous uh, situations um you know i i experienced a, a a small percentage and an infinitesimally small percentage uh, of the work that they do um but but in that uh, small exercise that we did I, I found uh, I found in myself a strength, and I, I my father always taught us, you know, you can you can work smarter, um, but my my dad also taught us that you know if you're not getting it, you're not hitting it hard enough. So so pound mm. that that square peg into the round hole if it doesn't go in. Um, <laughs> I so, love that. I love that. So so uh, it, it it reinforced uh, what I learned, and and learning something from your parents when you're 20 years old. Is, uh, is is something you you take parts of it you appreciate it much more when you're when you're a parent yourself, uh, but but going through the military I found that that uh, that experience uh, solidified that that those statements and that that education that my parents were uh, were were giving me. So you grew up in Quebec, correct? I born yeah. and bred in Montreal. Born and bred in Montreal. What? Um... What is that experience like? Walk us through being a Quebecer in Canada and how how you felt about Canada, what uh, and your patriotism and how that connects with your Quebec identity. Because I mean, I think one of the problems our country is facing is this regionalization where we don't identify as a unit anymore. We identify first and sometimes only from the subregion that we're from, and so. How, obviously, you didn't do that. You decided to serve in the Canadian military. You did, like you are proud of this country as a whole. So, walk us through how that happened, and why you think, or what what are the experiences like for you of being a patriotic Canadian in a place that at times has been kind of anti Canada. 
Um, you, you know, at, at growing up, you see, I thought Montreal was the center of the world, and and it it, it very much felt like that. Uh, people, you know, from around, you know, families in, in various countries, and everybody wants to come to Montreal to see uh, to see Montreal. Um, so I always felt, you know, I, a very strong attachment to to, to, to Montreal as, as my hometown. Um, I, I always identified as a Quebecer as well. I always, uh, you know, when people said, where are you from? Um, and, and I worked internationally. Um, I, I, I would always say Canada, uh, but I would very that would be very closely followed up by by being by saying uh, Quebec, um, because I, I am a proud Quebecer, and 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 I don't think that takes away from being a uh, you know a, a patriotic Canadian. So yeah, I do see uh, some polarization and some. Uh, some uh, across the country, the, the segmentation, people saying that they're, um, you know, East, but, uh, you know, from different provinces. And that's fine as long as ultimately we recognize. And I think that's that's what's important is recognizing that we're all Canadians um, and we're part of all the, the, the same fabric. And I think we we all have similar values um, and, and, you know, we can build a beautiful country together, but we have to do it. We have to do it together. We everybody we need each other yeah. across the country. I've always said that um, that Quebec is the heart and soul of Canada. Like without without Quebec, we I don't think we would have the level of well, it, it's impossible to to imagine Canada without that marriage of French and English. Oh anymore, yeah, right? well, it's so integral to our identity as a country. <sighs> the fact that we are bilingual, right. It's it's I, I love the the international element that that we 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 have um, being French and English. Um, you know, again, working internationally, uh, I, I was I was extremely comfortable going to to Haiti and and uh, in, in you know speaking to 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 the the locals in French. I learned Creole at one point. Uh, forgot it a little bit since then, unfortunately. But um, but being uh, having that ability to speak both French and English opens up. A tremendous amount of opportunities. Uh, so, so you know, again, you know, the fa- the families and and friends that would come um, from what we thought was, you know, who would come from France to to Montreal, but Montreal, and and we'd bring them to Toronto, we'd bring them to to Niagara Falls. Uh, Canada has beautiful things to offer, and um, and and I think the 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 variety that we offer across Canada is is something that's beautiful. No, oh, absolutely. Do you want to share with us a bit? A big part of the Canadian identity is obviously being a country that's there for our global neighbors in their times of need. And Haiti is one of the bigger examples of, of Canada participating in that. And you were there. Do you want to share a bit about uh, that experience and, and how that plays into not just Canada's identity, but your own? The international work uh, was uh, another element in, in life that, that that changed me. Um, so I was extremely proud to be there uh, as a Canadian. I worked for the United Nations, but I was uh, I was there as a Canadian, and uh, I was extremely proud of of Canada's efforts in in the the, the relief and then the following the reconstruction of uh, of, of Haiti. Um, international aid is is something that that we should be leaders in 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 many ways, and it doesn't mean money. It means in a, in what Canadians can offer, and we have a tremendous amount of offer to, to offer uh, in our uh, in our knowledge and our our uh, the companies we have across Canada can offer so much internationally, um, and uh, the the potential is not tapped yet. Um, 
but but in short, being um, being a part of the uh, and I was there for three years, being a part of the reconstruction and relief efforts uh, was was an absolutely incredible and uh, and life changing experience. Can can you share with the listeners maybe like a little tidbit, like or a little story or a vignette of of something that happened down there that really made you reflect on your life and and the nature of hum- humanity itself? One thing that I, I promised myself when I was going down um, was was to make sure that my kids learned something about my experience. So I'd, I'd make sure to include them in, in things that I did. And, and one thing I did is on my frequent trips back and forth is, is I asked my kids to give me things that they wanted to give to kids down there. Um, my daughter gave me uh, her one of her favorite dresses. Uh, a little, it was, a, it was just a little uh, red little uh, flower dress. Um, and I was going through one of the the poor areas uh, in Haiti. And, and when I say poor, I mean, um, you know, it's really, you know, looking for food for the next day level. Uh, poverty that we, we don't see or understand in, in Canada, thankfully. Right. Yes. Um, and and I uh, I pulled out this dress uh, and this little girl who was standing with her bare feet and, and underwear in, in a mud puddle. Um, I pulled out this dress and I gave it to her and her eyes just about popped out of her head. She just the smile. Um, and I, I I gave it I gave it to the mother who was right with her. Um, and I said, put it on her for a second. And she did. And. This girl, it was it was an incredible emotion. It was a small gesture, but to me, it it was it, I, it was something that my daughter did. Uh, she gave me her favorite dress. I gave it to this little girl who had nothing, um, and that that really showed me um, you know, a small picture of 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 what our efforts can can have uh, internationally. Um, but but more than that, I you know I I, I worked. In ensuring that that we employed locals, uh, I won the Project of the Year award for one of my projects in Haiti, where um, the the goal of, of this project was to employ the maximum amount of of locals. So we trained locals. Uh, we so there was an educational element, there was an employment element, uh, and there was a uh, what we left behind was um, was people that were gainfully employed. Uh, educated uh, at a different level, and there's a lot of engineers, educated people. But we we showed them how to build better, um, and and leaving that as a as a legacy for you know I say for from Canada because that's where all of this came from um, was something that that really marked me. It, it's 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 more than just sending money or uh, you know you know there's a lot of organizations that collect a lot of money and then do, they do great work. Um, but this net effect of of really changing how things are done um, was was something that that marked me. And then and when I came back, I felt the need to to continue that kind of work. You uh, you mentioned um, I, I forget exactly how you said it, but you said true poverty, not knowing where your next day's meals come from. <clears throat> there is in in the Western world in North America, there seems to be this. Um, cultural trend of um, really complaining about the situation that we're in and looking very down on our social constructs and our institutions and our really way of life. Um, and 
my parents spent 14 years in missions trips in Central America, and you've uh, spent time in Haiti. And although I have not been myself, I know from their stories and, and now some of yours, the level of uh, poverty and in that sense, despair is just so different. How does your experience with those situations um, influence the way you look at the problems that we face here in Canada? Yeah, you know, we have problems in Canada. There's no question, and there's poverty, and there's 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 you know some fundamental issues, and and one that I see um, is 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 the issues with with the First Nations uh, and how Canada as a whole has, um, and, and this is not a political thing because it's, you know, every party has been equally bad in um, in addressing in the issues. Uh, so access to clean water, for example, has been a significant issue in, in many First Nations. And, and I'm beside myself that Canada, you know, a first world country um, has communities that don't have access to clean water. Yeah. So, so there's, there's, uh, I'll say there's a parallel to some of the issues there in Haiti. Um, there, there was whole communities that didn't have water, and 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 really, it was the kids that would go to the well uh, to get water and bring it back to the community. In Canada, we have some of the same issues, unfortunately. There's so, um, so there's there's a a, a minor parallel there, um, but yeah. You know, how, how do I, how do I, I don't think we can compare. I think, I think, I think the, the, you know, the comparison would be unfair to the situation in, in, uh, in some of these countries. And, and I've worked in, in other, um, you know, poorer countries, but, but Haiti was, was certainly the, the most affected uh, in terms of poverty. Um, how, how would I, uh, I'm not even sure how to, how to address that, unfortunately. <laughs> No, what what do you feel like um, witnessing something like that though does to a person in general? Well, when when we when I when I saw the the poverty and I saw the the need for um, capacity development, um, and and one of the projects that I had all related to one of the projects. Um, I, I went to to uh, what was called Cité Dieu, uh, one of the poorer areas along the coast of, of Haiti, uh, and I got out. I got out of the car, and and it was against UN regulations. You had to go with with a security officer, and you had to go with your driver. Uh, I got out, and um, immediately there was um, you were surrounded by a group of of locals, um, and in Creole, and 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 that's something that they weren't expecting. I said, um, where's the group leader? And the group leader means the guy that says how things are going to happen in, in, in the area. Right. Um, he, I, very quickly, I told him, I, we're here for a project that's going to improve the area, but I'm only going to do it with your support and by engaging and hiring the locals. And we'll, we'll give you the tools and we'll give you the, the capacity to do it. Um, that's that's how we we affected real changes by by really employing the locals and really working with them. Um, so so bringing that back to Canada um, when I came back to Canada, um, I, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to do something that was meaningful um, and 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 forward thinking, not 
you know, there's a lot of, of, of jobs and there's a lot of great things that, that people do. And then, so it's not to diminish anything, anything anybody else does, but I, I just, I felt the need in myself uh, to, to affect more fundamental change. And that's why I, I, I had the opportunity to work for the First Nations. Uh, and I, I took that up right away because I wanted to affect more fundamental changes. So that that those are are, are some of the things that I uh, I wanted to do um, following my experiences. So why don't you go into that more? Uh, detail out your work with the First Nations. Yeah, what have you what have you seen? That's a great way of loving Canada is, you know, trying to help alleviate the suffering of these people, but also, you know, show them that we care. And I love that when you came back, you're like, oh, I'll look for the same pro- kind of problems in my own country and try to solve them. That's just a beautiful, not only sentiment, but then to take an act on that sentiment is, is truly noble, I think. And it's what I liked what you said. You're like, I, fa- I wanted to do something like that back home. You found your passion. You found your calling. You found the thing you love, uh, which is which is helping these people who need it the most. What have you learned... Because I find that when we find our passions, uh, we actually learn way more from them, and we we get more from our passion than we ever give to it. If if you right. do it right, you know what I mean. So, so <laughs> what have you learned from that experience of giving? It's I, I learned we can make a difference, and you connect with people, and uh, you the experiences that I that I I transfer to my children is is something that I, I, I value. Um, you know, we all learn in our textbooks about the the Iroquois and the Mohawk and and the Cree and and the different First Nations and we learn about it in a very specific way. Um, but I speak to my children about personal experience with 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 the First Nations and um, I learned from them. I, I I grow from from the things that I learned. Um, I'm disappointed in Canada and things that we've done of, of very recent history. Yes. Um, and 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 they don't teach you this in 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 our uh, in our books. Um, but but we, you know, I, I learned it um, by you know, I was in a uh, one of the flights was canceled and we were I was in a twelve uh, hour car ride with uh, with an elder from one of the communities. Um, and he told me about the residential schools and and how he was torn away from his home and how how it affected his parents how it affected him and um, how how the the, the, the Jesuits uh, wanted and and in his words from what they told him um, wanted to take the Indian out of him um, and 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 this was funded by the Canadian government and and this is very recent history mm-hmm. um this is not this is not going back to uh you know uh, christopher columbus time this is this is here and now and 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 so when i transmit that information to my kids um i i i, I feel that i gain more and my kids understand canada better and and ultimately um i know my children and hopefully their friends and people that, that i speak to will drive our politicians to do better um, because we need to do better, and and, and in 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 so many senses. So, um, bringing back my experience, like I said, it it, it was life changing in many ways. The the capacity, or, or actually the will, for for me to come back and and um, the opportunity that I had, I really I really 
believe that it was an opportunity that I had to work for the First Nation um, was, was was something that I cherished. Um, so I, I I took from it as much as I as I hope I, I gave a little bit more. Um, but we worked on um, on on access to clean water. We trained local water operators. Uh, we trained um, responders of, of you know fire uh, firemen and women. Um, so there was, there was many elements we worked on, uh, infrastructure projects that just improved the communities. And these communities are rich communities in so many ways, in culture uh, and in know-how. And it's just, I think we have so much more to learn from, from our First Nations that I would, uh, I would love more Canadians to experience. And the country, when I say the country is beautiful, when, I, when I've traveled up there, uh, be it winter, spring, or, or, or summer, it's it's breathtaking how beautiful our country is. Oh, so one hundred percent, yes. I, I like. Uh, so, what have you um, in in the process of this almost journey of discovering the the truly horrible, horrendous things that Canada did to the First Nations, but also their resilience and again getting to know them? Uh, it's almost you're studying the the first history of Canada in a sense, right? It's the uh, the people who are here for for so long and and living in living such different lives than we live now, and I think there's a there's an element uh, in society that just despairs on this problem that we have because of our past actions ever being solved. But you seem very optimistic and and, and excited about uh, your work with First Nations, and like I loved what you said you can make a difference. I think there's a lot of cynicism in society right now. A lot of people believing, oh no, nothing works. Nothing ever gets better. Uh, I love your attitude. I want to know where you think that came from and how other people, share with the listeners how other people can get it because, oh man, the number of people that I hear just, like you said, whining and complaining, claiming that there's no way out, that it's just always this bad criticism upon criticism. We need some hope, right? We need someone to come along like you just did and say, no, no, if you work hard and you care, you can make things better. There's no question. We, we can all make things better. And, and that's one of the fundamentals that, that my parents always taught me. And it was, it's fundamental in, uh, in, in my religion is, 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 is you're, we're here to repair the world. The tikkun olam is a... Um, is, is repairing the world, and that's our our duty. Um, so, so to leave here with a with a better world than when we came uh, is our is our obligation. And there's no way about it. Uh, there's no two ways about it. It's it's things can get better. Um, if we're talking about the First Nations, the, they're they're filled with business people and and business minded people, entrepreneurs, and um, and and it's impressive to see how some of these communities have developed and flourished. Um, and I don't think Canadians know this. I think Canadians think of uh, these uh, these communities as uh, backwards, you know, limited capacity. No, these are communities that want to thrive and 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 should share in, in Canada's uh, resources and, and you, know, you know, not to get into federal politics, but the, the Trans-Canada Pipeline is something that, that First Nations across the country, uh, if they participate in and actively participate, um, and, and obviously, with, with, and when I say participate, I mean 
I mean, not just financially, but but I mean, being employed by it and, and, and right. being the entrepreneurs that drive it uh, and benefiting from everything that happens within the context of preserving the environment, within the context of preserving uh, cultural lands and 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 ways of life. Um, I think I think many of them from from the people that I've spoken to want want this. Um, so, but we we you know we we put the politicians in charge of telling them what what is good for them, and and it should be the inverse. And I think Canadians across the country would benefit from doing what's right as opposed to doing what's yeah you know nice politically. Um, and and we would benefit. They would benefit. Everybody would benefit across the country. Yeah, we need a we need more courage. I say this a lot uh, on the podcast: is we got to save this country from timid men, because uh, uh, timidity is never a virtue. Humility, yeah, others are, but but to lack courage is the complete opposite of virtue. And I I just feel like we have a lot of uh, people in positions of power right now who don't have a lot of courage. It, there's a lot of virtual signaling, a lot of indicating of what, uh, you know, what is good, um, as opposed to actually listening to the people and, and understanding how Canada would benefit across the board uh, if we did things in, in, a, in a better way. And, and it takes courage and it, it takes uh, people that are not afraid of the next election, but really about what's good for Canada as a whole. And and I wish we had more politicians like that. We do have some. I'm not saying all of them, but yes, um, yes. Th- there are some that are looking out for really what's what's truly good for Canadians for the long run. Yeah. So uh, that brings us to you're 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 one of the, you know, a man of many talents. You're also an elected representative or, or right now and are running again, I believe. That's correct. So I'm I'm uh, I'm a city councillor in uh, in Cote Saint Luke, and uh, and I'm running for the mayoralty of uh, of Cote Saint Luke, so my community, and uh, and I'm looking to you know make things better. And I'm not I'm not you know looking to be there for for thirty years. I'm looking to do what's right for for the community and help it uh, help it you know help build the community. Share a little bit uh, with us about how municipal politics how how that's kind of, it's it's a different beast than say provincial and federal but also you've probably seen a lot of uh, municipals the the closest to the people it's it's the one that it, that deals with the issues that are most tangible locally uh i love that you want to serve and so you decided to go and serve in the most hands down way what are some of the ways you want to help your community improve like what Share a little bit of your vision. So it, it absolutely is the closest you are to your, your elected officials and the people you have the, that have the most impact on your day-to-day, uh, you know, from garbage collection to, you know, how, what the parks look like. Um, how, how do I want to make my city better? Um, I think we need to look towards the future and not towards the next election. I think we need to, to invest in our infrastructure. Um, there's been, a, you know, I, I feel and, and, and the residents feel uh, significant lack of of investment uh, in our infrastructure, and that that drives um, so many elements. So people's in, in uh, you know, if people are able to to get to and from work um, in in a quarter of the time, their day is improved. Um, yes, if our parks, true. if we if we invest in our parks and the kids 
are active and especially through this COVID, if they if we gave them more capacity to be active in our community, um, the, the kids would be better off and, and ultimately the, the families would be better off. And and spending our money in a smarter way, I think there there's uh, you know too much of a big government, um, too too much of a big government has been established in the city, and I think we need to be more effective. I think we need to um, be more effective with how we spend our money, and and that again has an effect on on the local residents because you know taxes keep going up, uh, and if they keep going up at a rate faster than uh, than what the income is, then we we're going to have a problem and we we can't uh we can't be negligent we have to we have to be effective with how we spend canadians money uh or coat saint luke residents money they're all, I, all we're all canadians but how we how we spend our money and and um and invest our money for the future so i i i really i'm, I'm focused on um on, on having a more effective government a more efficient government um and, and a community that that builds uh, builds bridges between uh, the various communities uh, that live in Cote Saint Luke, um, and and not being not being a politician, but being somebody who's truthful and honest. Ah, I I love that. And uh, I was recently reading an article actually on the fact that politics is isn't actually necessarily full of more bad people than any other. Uh, industry. It's just that uh, we get scrutinized a lot more, but I think that's the purpose of democracy, right? Um, is to, to make, hold people accountable. Um, one of the things that I've, I, we've had a few uh, municipal politicians on, but one of the things I love to ask is, what is it about your community that you love so much that you decided to basically pour your love out or your love out like a, like a, a serving, right? You're, you're sacrificing, Tell us what's special about your home. It's I grew up in Cote Saint Luke uh, when I was seven years old. Uh, I, I always loved the community, the 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 homey feel to it. Right? It's it's a it's a, it's a community of of, of residents. Um, you know, we were one of the, the you know, I say oldest in terms of population. Right? We have a very senior population in Cote Saint Luke, and that's been getting younger over the years. Um, and I've seen the community evolve uh, over over the last forty, say forty years, um, and and in a in a beautiful way. We've built schools and we've built synagogues. We've built community centers, um, and and the parks have improved. And so I, I see a lot of, of of changes, and I've seen a lot of changes over the last forty years, um, and and I've come to love. I, I've always loved Cote Saint Luke, but it's. It's 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 something that I I fundamentally love and I want to continue to improve. Um, my friends ask me why are you why are you in municipal politics? You don't do it for the money. No, you absolutely. No, no. Don't. You, don't, you don't do it for the money. You do it because you you really want to affect uh, positive change. And and um, and I, I'm not in it to be here for like I said, you know, 30 years. Uh, I want to I want to do the right thing and I want to do it again. Um, do the brave things and and move the city forward. That's that's why I want to do it. I want to. I really want to work for the residents, and I'm listening to the residents. I'm speaking to them. Just you know, an hour ago, I was I was out talking to a couple of residents about a, a very particular problem that they had, um, and and I enjoy being able to help people. So it's um it's satisfying to, to you know you, you leave a couple of residents, um, you you 
listen to them, you heard them, and uh, and you take action, and and that improves their day, it improves their week. Um, so that's the kind of thing that I want to do. I want to I want to affect changes to people's lives, the day to day lives, and that's what I love to do. You keep saying something, and I wanna I wanna touch on it. You keep saying, "Do the right thing, do the right thing." You've said this a few times. Um, how is it that you determine what the right thing is? How how is it that you calibrate your moral compass? I I, I have um, instilled in me a uh, a an understanding. I, I'll say of of what I what I. You know, it's, we all, it's always what we consider to be the right thing, but I, I do listen. I don't just hear the residents and the people around me. Uh, I, I listen to them. Um, and so when you understand what the residents want and, um, you know, whether it's fiscal responsibility uh, or, or investment in our, in, our, in our community, that's how, you, that's how I understand what's right is is if i if i if i look at the greater good not what's good again for the next election um which is what i consider to be the the epitome of what's wrong with politicians uh but if i if i look at an investment in infrastructure for example that i i know may have short-term pains and it's not sexy to do roads um yeah, I, I know politicians like doing it, you know, in election years. But I want to, I want to invest significantly over the years. That way, you know, come come the the long term, everybody benefits. And and so when I see a, a longer vision, I think that's how I know that it's the right thing to do. Because if it's a short term gain, my sensation is it's not the right thing. If I see a long term gain for the residents. Um, and and it's it's ultimately what they are telling me, then then I I have you know an understanding uh, and, and a comfort in saying that that's the right thing to do, and being fiscally responsible is something that I <laughs> I, I will always be um, because I think that's the right thing to do. I don't think I don't think you can convince me uh, that that spending money in an, in an irresponsible way is is the right thing. So. Yeah, yeah. So you look at the way you're, you're more interested in building your community through delayed gratification than the instant nice thing. Um, absolutely. Am I understanding that correctly? No, I, absolutely. I think I think the the instant gratification is um, is is a political uh, politician's tool, um, but it has no no ultimate benefit. So as 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 a city, we'll pay more for that instant gratification, um, and and it's it's you know I, I see it this year where all of a sudden we're investing uh, over four million dollars in infrastructure. We, we didn't do four million in the last four years. Why in the last? Why in an election year? So those are things uh, that, that funda- yes. fundamentally bother me, and and I I I, I voice. Uh, my my opposition to this publicly in in in, uh, in, in the public spheres. Um, I, I voted. I was the only one that voted against uh, salary increases for the councilors and and the mayor. I voted against it because I said I was elected at a twenty five thousand dollars salary. Um, who am I to give myself a raise? I you know I, I work right. in the private industry. I I work for myself. I don't give myself a raise because I feel like it. 
Um, so what I said is is tack the the, the if you want to increase the, the salaries for the mayor and the and the other politicians, tack it on for the next council. That way, if they elect you, the population knows what salary they're going to be given. Right. That's amazing. So, yeah, that's good. And, I love and, that. And so, <laughs> and so, so because by de facto, because I was outvoted, I, I got the salary increase, and every year since, I've been giving back uh, that that raise to the community because I didn't feel it was mine. Ah, that's good. I love that. That's principle over perspective. Um, Absolutely. We gotta we gotta shut her down here pretty quickly, but uh, I just wanted to hear. What's your? Maybe you can't give us a favorite restaurant because that would be picking a like, like picking a favorite child. But uh, <laughs> like, what's a great memory from home of a place that you just went to and just had a great time, and it just it, it kind of encapsulates the spirit of your of your home. Yeah, unfortunately, through COVID, I've <laughs> I've been stuck in my sphere for yes. for the yes. last year and a bit. Um, what encapsulates, that's a fantastic question. Um, I, I, I'll have to say, um, if I had to go back, obviously just a little bit, um, it, it, we had a family event in the backyard. Uh, this is pre COVID of course. Um, it, it really just having friends and family over in a, in a venue that was quiet um that that encapsulates my 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 happiness really having friends and family um and a bit of good food uh you know beer doesn't hurt but um yeah the, the, that's that's where i i am dreaming to be back to in short order uh once we make it through all of this uh, this mess is, is yes. being able to have yes. th- those kinds of gathering because that's that's my happiness that's my my go-to more than any restaurant, more than I love uh, that. I love place. that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, best of luck in your campaign. We'll be cheering for the, from the Canadian story for you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thank you for just sharing your, your, your servant heart with us. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to continuing to, to listen to the, the Canadian story. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The CAD Story. That's The C-A-D Story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.